This broadcast has been brought to you by Wesley United Methodist Church. For more information, see our webpage at wesleyumc.com. I love that video. I'll try that again. I love that video. <laughs> All right. Well, we continue on a series in Galatians, and the video fits in so well. Uh, Paul talks early on about what Christ has done for us and what he has accomplished through the saving acts of Jesus Christ, and yet you and I are just like Abraham. We have been given a promise, and we now have to trust and believe as time continues on in our life. It's always amazing to me to go back and read that story about Abraham and realize that he was told that he would have a son, and yet it is roughly 20-something years before he actually gets his son. And even more astounding to me is that Abraham was in his 80s, you know, hard enough to believe it when you're 80, even more so after decades of trusting and believing, right? So this is uh, a continuation of what we've been doing in the book of Galatians. And before we go much further, I just want to talk with you about something that's important to us as a church, and that is that um, our mission, our goal as a congregation, uh, whether you know it or not, is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Uh, we, as a denomination, did not have a mission statement, but if you know much about the 90s, everybody had to have one, All right? Okay, thank you. And so uh, the Methodist denomination adopted that. It was uh, to make disciples for the transformation of the world. And um, when you think about making disciples, it, it's just too ambiguous. You don't really get a, a feel or a texture of what exactly is meant by making a disciple. I mean, in my mind, I come up with visions or ideas of like, is it like a car assembly line, right? You know, and we, we have a particular model or brand of disciple that we make. Uh, and, you know, do we get to customize it? We say, you know, we really like air conditioning and window tinting and all those other things. But uh, when we read through the book of Galatians, Paul says it's more, uh, more organic. It's more like growing trees or plants. And last week we talked about bearing fruit, uh, how the Spirit works in our lives, and we begin to produce great things in our life, great things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, self-control, uh, gentleness, all these things begin to flow out of our lives. And even though we're not the ones that are responsible for that, but rather Christ living within us and growing deeper within our hearts is the result of that, that is what we should be looking for to happen. Uh, but once again, like Abraham, sometimes we have to wait, sometimes we have to trust in what God is about to do in our lives. Now, in the end of the letter of Galatians, uh, towards the end of chapter 5, Paul begins to spell out what we can do, what are our next steps, what are the things that we should do if we desire and we want to see this fruit uh, produced in our life. And he writes, if we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit. Let's not become arrogant, make each other angry, or be jealous of each other. I mean, it's just beautiful advice there at the end of the fifth chapter of Galatians. He's saying if you've received Christ, if uh, you're beginning to notice some fruit happening in your life, if you're becoming more loving, more forgiving, more joyous, uh, any of those things, uh, he's saying, well, the next step, let's remember, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's not become arrogant. Let's not uh, begin to uh, become jealous of each other. That's such great advice, isn't it? You know, and he's, he's painting a picture, and he's saying, if you want a faith that's going to 
endure, one that's going to last, one that's going to build beyond uh, emotion, uh, one that's going to get you through the hard times. He's saying, here's some, some wonderful steps that can be followed, and it's beautiful advice, and it works so well. He says, don't make each other angry. Church, did you hear that? Okay, don't make each other angry or be jealous of each other. If we would just apply those simple words, right? Um, and then he goes on. He says, brothers and sisters, if a person is caught doing something wrong, you who are spiritual should restore someone like this with a spirit of gentleness. Uh, and it reminds me of Jesus' words uh, when he's teaching and he said, um, you know, don't go looking for the speck in your brother's eye when you yourself have not removed the log from your own, right? And he's saying, don't, don't go trying to fix people when you yourself are unbelievably damaged, right? Uh, and the image that I always think of is, you know, if you had something in your eye, a speck of dust or something, and somebody, you know, is going to help you out, you would want them to get like a really soft tissue and begin to, to work at it. You don't want them coming at you with barbecue tongs or anything, trying to get out that speck. You know, he's saying just that when we fail, when we fall short, we really are in need of somebody who loves the Lord and loves God that can come into our lives and say, you know, here's a spot in your life where I believe you could grow stronger in your discipleship, where you could change just a little bit, and all of a sudden, you begin to see more of Christ in your life. And he goes on. He says, watch out. Watch out for yourselves so that you won't be tempted. You won't be tempted too. Watch out for yourselves so you won't be tempted too. Carry each other's burdens, and so you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are important when they aren't, they're fooling themselves. Each person should test their own work and be happy with doing a good job and not compare themselves with others. Each person will have to carry their own load. And uh, when we look at the second sentence, it says, watch out for yourself so that you won't be tempted to. Uh, what he is saying, and in other translations you'll see it, he says, you know, have a very uh, clear estimation of who you are. You know, have a, a good idea of where you're at. Be sure about it. Don't lie to yourself. Don't exaggerate where you are in your faith. Don't pretend to be more than you're not. He's saying instead, you know, have a good, humble estimation of where you are in your faith. Just be honest about that. Be uh, accepting of where you are in your faith and where you are in your discipleship. If you are new to it, then, then live that. If you are like senior varsity Christian, you know, live there. Uh, as if there's such a thing. You know, he's saying, uh, instead, you know, have a humble estimation of who you are as a person. Uh, and then he goes on to talk about, you know, help each other out, carry their burdens, help them with those things. And then he says, if anyone thinks they are more important when they aren't, they're fooling themselves. And let me just stop there for a moment, because this is usually a, a, a stumbling block for a lot of people. It says, you know, don't have a higher estimation of yourself. Now, what I've, what I've run into is that one of the surest ways to see somebody's faith begin to stop and begin to rot is when they get to a place where they have learned to appear that they are a Christian. Okay, they come to faith, and then, you know, they buy the t-shirt, they get the Christian music, they, they learn what to bring to a potluck, right? They learn the Methodist handshakes, and then, like, for all purposes, their faith isn't growing, right? 
They, they begin to be able to stay and show and act and pretend and fit in, which is a good thing. I'm glad they fit in. They feel comfortable. But uh, inside, their spiritual life has, has stopped growing or that it's rotting. And they may have the appearance, like Jesus said, you know, you're washed white, washed, whitewashed tombs. You know, you, you look good on the outside, but inside, things are dead. The Spirit's not working in your heart. And Paul points it out, and he says, you know, if you've got that veneer going, if you're, you're showing um, for all purposes to everybody else that you're a Christian, but on the inside you're rotting, then it might just be that you kind of have, have stalled out, you know, and that you're, you may look on the outside that you are, but inside it's not the case. And so he cautions them, and he says, you know, watch yourself, watch your heart, pay attention to what's going on. And if anyone thinks they are more important than they are, then they're fooling themselves. The other piece of this is that, um, I don't know if y'all are going to know this hymn, but some of you will, but there's a, there's a hymn in the Methodist hymnal. It's also part of the old communion ritual uh, where there's a phrase that said, you know, have mercy upon us, Lord, because we are wretched worms, right? We are wretched worms. And it's many times you'll have people that will come to church and they'll, they'll visit and they'll hear lines like that, that we're wretched worms, and they'll quit coming because they don't want to feel bad about themselves, right? Uh, or they'll get, you know, not interested in church because they just kind of think like, man, all they ever do is just talk bad about who they are. It makes me feel bad about myself, bust my self-esteem bubble, right? And uh, Paul, Paul points to that, and he says, you know, rather than get to a place where you're puffing yourself up, where you're exaggerating, where you're trying to be something you're not, he's saying uh, that you should, that you uh, don't think that you're more important than you are. And then he goes on in verse 4, he says, each person should test their own work and be happy with doing a good job and not compare themselves with others. So he gives already, he's given us two ways in which we can grow in our faith. He says, one, you know, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Uh, don't think of yourself more highly than yourself, than you, than you should. And then he says, don't compare yourselves to others. That's hard, isn't it? It's hard not to do, to look and say, where are we in our faith compared to somebody else? In the first service, I said, you know, I guess worst case scenario is if you had a really bad day. And then you assured yourself, you know, maybe you blew it, maybe you uh, didn't do what you're supposed to, you came home and you're angry, and rather than praying, you kicked the dog, right? Uh, not that I've ever done that. I'm just saying, an example. Uh, and, and what we tend to do is that rather than, you know, admit our struggles or admit our failures, we begin to compare ourselves to others. Like you could have a really bad day and say, well, at least I didn't do anything like Hitler Right? I mean, you really have to have a horrible day. I, I give you that. But hopefully you understand what I'm saying. That you look at the, or probably more common would just be that we look across the room and we say, well, at least we're not them. Or at least we're not that coworker. At least we're not that person that carried 30 items into the seven item only line. <laughs> Those people. And Paul says that, that won't help your faith at all. It won't help it grow. It won't help it develop. Uh, and he says, uh, be happy with the work that you're doing, a good job, and not compare yourself with others. And he says, each person will have to carry their own load. So, uh, it is a beautiful passage, and if you were to really begin to apply it to your life, it would make a huge difference. Uh, one of the things that I find people really struggle with are when they get criticized, right? 
uh, when they have people that complain about what the work that they're doing or they critique what they're doing in their lives, it tends to really stop people. They, they no longer flourish. They no longer produce. Just all of a sudden, they, they stop. They freeze up. They don't uh, continue to do the things that would help their faith to grow and to develop, but rather they just stop cold turkey. All of a sudden, everything comes to a screeching halt when somebody criticizes them or says, well, why can't you be like somebody else, right? Um, and I know you're thinking, uh, well, what does Rick really know about all this? Well, from time to time, as a pastor, somebody criticizes you. <laughs> Every once in a while. Thankfully, it's not that often, but every once in a while, somebody does. Or uh, somebody critiques, um, you know, something that I've done, whether it is as a pastor or as a parent or as a person. And, you know, if we are living out the way that we did before we knew Christ, then what are we going to do? We're going to say to ourselves, you know, we're wretched people. We're lowly worms. We're, not, we're, we're worthless. We're not doing what we're supposed to. We don't compare. Uh, or we might begin to just change and adapt. You know, rather than follow out our Christian life and follow Christ's principles and teachings, we'll say, I'll just do what I have to to get along with people. Right? And Paul's saying, you know, don't do that. Don't get to a place where people's criticism begins to take away your faith and to steal your joy. And, and don't abandon the ways of Christ or His teachings when things become hard or things become difficult but rather have a humble assessment of yourself and trust in what Christ is going to do in the future, all right? So what does it mean for you? Um, just a couple of quick things. Uh, first and foremost, um, when you think about having a humble assessment of your life, uh, I love the words of uh, Bill Parcells, the NFL coach, and he was the coach of the Cowboys and the Giants and had a lot of great success. And the, one of my favorite quotes from him is that he said, you know, it just drives me crazy when you hear a coach or a team say to themselves, you know, even though we were seven and nine last year, we had a losing record, we're better than our record shows. Right? Have you all heard those words? Man. Okay. And he says, you know, even though we're seven and nine, we're better than our record reflects. And he says, that's not true. You're a seven and nine team. That's what you are. Right? And I'm not lifting that up to you to say you are on a losing team or you have a losing record. I'm saying, are you listening to the truth and the promise that Christ has over your life, right? Are you trusting in what Christ has said about you? Are you believing that? Are you living that reality out? Or are you trying to tell people, no, things are going better than they appear, right? We have to have that honest talk with ourselves and with God about who we are and what Christ has said about our lives. So, uh, the other part that I think is really great about this passage is that it, it recommends this, this sense of humility, this, uh, this estimation of who we are in Christ. Uh, and one of the ways that I've seen this lived out in my own life and in the life of others is that when it comes to serving, when it comes to serving Christ, when it comes to helping other people, this is such a gift because so oftentimes you'll see people get caught up in their status or where they believe they are in life, and they miss out on the opportunities to, to serve Christ in a really powerful and a mighty way. Growing up, one of the people that I loved most was uh, a guy named Tom Flanders, and what I liked about him was that he was a very successful person. He had retired comfortably, very smart, very gifted person, um, and when we would gather together and do what Methodist people do, when we eat, right? 
um, the result of that was that we always produced trash, okay? And Tom's job was that he would go over, he would gather up the trash bag, and he would walk it out to the dumpster. There's no glory in that. There's no honor. There's no status. But oh my gosh, if you don't have somebody that will do that, you are in a big mess, right? And Tom would do that. Not only that, Jonathan will love this. His other job in the church was that he would take away the rotting pumpkins from the pumpkin patch, <laughs> right? That was his other job, right? And um, if you've never been a rotting, a rotting pumpkins, it is not a wonderful smell, okay? It is horrible. And he would do that, not because he thought, that is the job that's going to bring me glory, but rather that was the job that was going to bring Christ glory, and that he recognized, he said, I'm a servant of Christ, and this needs to be done. How can I be a part of it? So when you think about your own faith, and the places where you are stuck or where you're hurting, uh, where you are struggling, I invite you to consider this passage and to begin to look at that and say, you know, am I, am I trusting what God is doing in my life? Am I okay with where I am right now? That I'm not trying to convince people that I'm more than I am, or that I've accomplished more than I have, or that I can prove my value or my worth to them, but rather I'm going to listen clearly to what Christ has said about me in my life, that I'm a precious and a valuable child of God, that I am so worthy and I am so treasured that He would give His only Son for me, that He would die for me, die upon the cross for my salvation, and that you will begin to see and to sense and to know that rather than being a, a, a burden, that this sense of what Christ is doing in your life is what can transform you, what can change you. Now, um, just real quick, what I want to point out to you is this, that when Paul talks about himself and his ministry, what he does is he begins, uh, like in Corinthians, he says, I am the least of the apostles, all right? Uh, and in the book of Ephesians, he says that I am the the lowest of the disciples. And in 1 Timothy, he says, uh, Jesus Christ came into the world to die for sinners, and I am the worst of them. And when you begin to look at that, you think this is somebody that really couldn't do much. This is somebody that couldn't accomplish much. This is somebody that really had a low regard of who he was. But then you have to put that together with what Paul did and what he accomplished. This was also somebody who was brave beyond measure, that suffered hardship and endured so many things, and he was probably one of the greatest leaders the world has ever seen, accomplished way more than you and I could probably ever imagine. And all of that came together because of who Christ is and what Christ had done in his life. And I pray that for each of us. Thank you for listening to our broadcast. This has been brought to you by Wesley United Methodist Church. For more information, see our webpage at wesleyumc.com.